So we are in a lesson series that we started last week called um, Walking in Power and Living in Authority. And my little short message this morning is called I Might Need a Muzzle. Have you ever felt like you needed a muzzle on your mouth? <laughs> Uh, hey, our faith, our trust, our belief in the authority and power of Jesus is evident in our words. So what we're going to talk about is, do we proclaim blessing or do we proclaim cursing? Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? Are we speaking truth or are we speaking lies? Are we speaking love or are we speaking hate? Judging by the words that we speak, would God give us a megaphone or a muzzle? A megaphone or a muzzle. So um, just real quickly, there's two things that go on in heaven all the time. Two things that go on in heaven all the time. And the first is intercession. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, speaking of Jesus, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is always in a place of intercession. And as we live under the legitimate authority of Jesus, he will intercede and proclaim truth through us. And he'll even, he'll even uh, speak the desires that he has for people and for our nation and for our church. He'll declare that through us. So the first thing that goes on in heaven is intercession. Now the second thing that goes on is accusation. Accusation. Revelations 12.10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. What are we talking about? We're talking about power and authority, right? So right here it says that the salvation and the power of the kingdom and the authority of his Christ have come. And what is the result of this? The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Now, I'm not trying to be overly cute here, but when I read this, I always question, how can he who has been cast down, which is past tense, all of our English majors out here know that, right? Has been cast down. How can he who has been cast down still accuse, which is present tense, right? So how can he who has been cast down still accuse them before our God day and night? And I believe the answer to that is that he uses those who do have access to God. You know who that is? Us. Don't get quiet on me now. <laughs> he uses us because there's authority in our words. We speak. And since Satan no longer has free access to the throne room of God, now he used to. You can see that in the book of Job. It says that the angels came to present themselves to God, and Satan came along, and he stood there, and he accused Job, Right? But now we see that because the authority of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom and Jesus has come, that the enemy has been cast down. He no longer has free access to the throne room of God. But guess what? He is still accusing. And the way that he does it is he gets us to unwittingly submit ourselves to his illegitimate authority. 
Because Satan's greatest weapon is division. 2 Corinthians 12, 20. For I am afraid that when I come, this is Paul writing, I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, division. Jealousy, division. Anger, division. Selfishness, division. Gossip, division. Arrogance, division. And disorderly behavior. From the very beginning, the enemy's tactic has been to divide. Divide and conquer. Separate. Look what he did with Cain and Abel. There at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, he got brother against brother. He talked a brother into murdering his brother. There was division. His greatest tactic is division. And he wants to divide the church. Why? Because Satan knows that if there's division, he has crippled the power of the church. Leviticus 26.8 says, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall chase a thousand. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, how can one put a thousand to flight? How could one have chased a thousand and two have put 10,000 to flight? How can these things happen? See, what, what we have to understand that through unity, in authority, the power of the kingdom of God doesn't just increase, it multiplies. Multiplies. You can multiply, right? It multiplies when we're in unity. It's not just me, I can beat up one. If I get Corey up here, we can beat up two. No, it says one chases a thousand, two, 10,000. It multiplies. But don't be discouraged if you don't see unity in the church. Because that can, that can be discouraging, can it? Don't be discouraged if you don't see unity in the church. Because guess what? It only takes two to make a thing go right. It only takes two in unity to make it out of sight. You know, it took one to get that song stuck in your head, right? Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say to you, if you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Two, if we can get two in unity, if we can get two believing, if we can get two declaring the, the, the will of the Father, he's going to start moving. Does that mean that God doesn't answer one person's prayer? Of course not. But he likes unity. He likes it when we're together. So, is our mouth unifying or is it dividing? If we accuse and we criticize and we gossip, we're dividing and we're actually agreeing with the enemy. This will be one of the one stories that I do tell because it makes a lot of sense in this part. During the uh, French and uh, Indian War in the mid-1700s, while the, the, the British and the French were fighting 
in Canada, there was a, an English admiral who had a small, sheet of, uh, small fleet of ships, and he was told to anchor right outside of Quebec. And he was to wait for the, for the land troops to come so they could have a coordinated attack against the city. But while the, the admiral was waiting, his, his last name was Phipps, while he was waiting, he began to look into the city and he could see the Catholic cathedral there and he could see the statues of, of Catholic saints sitting on top of that cathedral and it so irritated him, he told his, his cannoneers to shoot at the saints, knock those saints down. The problem was when the, the uh, English troops showed up to actually attack the city, the admiral had wasted all of his ammunition shooting at saints. So he was of no effect in the real battle. Don't waste all your ammunition shooting at saints. It makes you ineffective for the real battle. Who's the saints? Us. We're all saints. And you know what? You might be discerning some true areas of weakness. You may actually be seeing some, some areas that, that need some attention. But our job is to pray and to invite the authority and the power of God into the situation. So bless, don't curse. Psalms 39.1 says, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I guard my mouth with a muzzle. Do we need a muzzle? I know some of you are just sitting there going, well, I just call it like I see it. <laughs> I just say it how it is. Pastor Chris, you know, that's the problem. The problem is we have more faith in what we see than what God is actually doing. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me, don't you short circuit what I'm doing in that person's life. Because you're upset about the fruit that you see but I'm working deep inside of them. So don't you criticize. Don't you talk against them. You pray. And you let me do what I do. Because we think that we know what we're doing at times when we're speaking words out. So what happens when we talk, accuse, gripe, and complain? The first thing is it questions God's goodness. It questions God's goodness. Psalms 95.9 says, Your ancestors challenged me over and over with their complaining. Now, this is the children of Israel going from slavery to the promised land. All they had to do was cross the wilderness. But they challenged God over and over with their complaining. Moses told them that, Hey, you're not complaining against me. You're complaining against God. When we're complaining, we're telling God, he doesn't know what he's doing. We're telling him he's not doing it right. The second thing it does is it discourages those around us. 
Nobody likes to be around people that complain all the time. Are you listening to me? Nobody wants to be around you when you are complaining all the time. In Nehemiah, a miracle has just happened. The children of Israel have been taken uh, bondage. They had been taken into captivity. And 70 years later, the Lord spoke to a heathen king. He said, send them back. Send them back. Send them back and let them build the walls. Let them build their protection around their city. But it says in Nehemiah 4.10, then the people of Judah begin to complain. The workers are getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. Sounds like a six-year-old who's been sent to clean up his room. I'm tired. It's too much. I can't do it by myself. And the last thing that complaining does is it keeps us from loving as he loves. You hear me? In Luke 15, 1 through 3, this is out of the Passion. Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, Look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them. How dare he? Welcomes them all to come to him. You know what? Jesus gave attention to those that religion overlooked. Yet religion was so arrogant, they wanted to tell Jesus who he could love and who he couldn't love. So the question comes up, does our complaining and and judgment of notorious sinners, do you know any notorious sinners? Who's notorious in your mind? Whoever it is, whatever it is, whatever group it might be, those notorious sinners that God could never love. Guess what? He does. So let's don't build a wall that actually keeps people from connecting with God. There's a reason that sinners gather around Jesus because he brought words of healing and life and forgiveness. The authority and the power of heaven are invested in us as the body of Christ. It's invested in us. I got to speak just just a short moment in the throne room service talking about how God had given me a revelation about how the creative words that we speak changes the atmosphere. There is power in us that we really don't recognize or understand because we are, we are God's highest creation. We are created in his image. We are created with the ability to think and to speak. What are we saying? 
Are we joining with Jesus in intercession or are we agreeing with the enemy in accusation? It matters. It matters. Husbands, it matters the way you speak to your wife. It matters the way that you speak to your kids. Same with wives. Wives, if you're always saying, my husband's just no good, he's just sorry. Well, why are you surprised when he's no good and acting sorry? You declared it over him. You were giving him that identity. Well, I didn't say it to his face. Well, Jesus didn't pray for the centurion's servant to his face, but the word went. Did it not? The word goes. So we have to speak truth. We have to speak by faith. Let your words be life-giving. When you see that notorious sinner or that, that group of notorious sinners comes up on your, on your favorite news channel, the ones that just really irritate you, ask yourself, why am I getting so irritated? And why don't you start to pray? Because guess what? When we really begin to pray, one of two things happens. God either changes them or he changes us. Let our words be life-giving. What I want you to know, God's authority and power is invested in his church and it is enough to change any situation. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel confident that God trusts us to be his hands and his feet. What do I want you to do? I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, are my words life-giving? Have the things that I've been declaring about others, about myself, What are you saying about you that does not line up with God's thoughts about you? The Holy Spirit doesn't come with a stick to whack us. He just comes and says, hey, that's not true. That's not who I created you to be. That's not what I say about you. And I'm telling you, it it, it is a plague in our Western world, the way that we, we allow situations and other people to interpret to us who we are instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to say, no, this is who I created you to be. Yeah, but I don't see it. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. This is what God says. God says that he created me to to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. God said that I'm a new creation through Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Are you still hanging on to some things? Are you still identifying with some things? That's the old you. Are you still saying this is who I am because that's who you used to be? 
or when those old thoughts and those old temptations begin to stir, do you say, nope, I'm a new creation. That's not who I am anymore. That's who I used to be. And that person is no longer alive. I am alive to Christ Jesus. What's the Holy Spirit saying? Let's begin to speak words of faith. Begin to speak into hopeless situations because you know what? Jesus is good at tearing down hopelessness. What did you get out of this morning? Why, why, why did we, we gather here this morning? Did you come with an expectation to, to connect with God? Did you come with an expectation to, to, to hear something that, that would change us? Did you come to be ministered to? Did you come to minister? What was your expectation this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because that's all that matters. I could have preached the whole message, but if you're not hearing the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't have made any difference. You've got to hear the Holy Spirit. You've got to hear the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to your children this morning. We want to hear your voice. We want to recognize your voice. We want to hear you tell us who we are. And when we recognize who we are, Lord, we will be so much more free to declare over others who you say they are. When you're bound up, it's hard to set others free. But Lord, we choose to be free this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.